Hi, I'm Kaylee Moore. And I'm Emma Samasco. Welcome to Freelance Writing Coach, your go-to podcast for building a freelance writing business. In each 20-minute episode, we'll do a deep dive into one area of business with the hope that our insights as successful freelance writers will educate and inspire you. This season of Freelance Writing Coach is sponsored by Harlow. Harlow's all-in-one freelancing software helps you manage and organize your day-to-day operations, get a full view of your clients, and get paid for the work you do, all from one intuitive dashboard. Founded by two former freelancers who know the ups and downs firsthand, Harlow is about more than just software. They're passionate about creating a supportive community for freelancers to grow and thrive. Harlow's launching soon, and if you sign up for the newsletter today, you'll get an access to a free month once the product goes live. Go to meetharlow.com slash subscribe to sign up now. That's M-E-E-T-H-A-R-L-O-W dot com slash subscribe. Okay, so today we're talking about the issue of scope creep and what to do when you have a client who maybe isn't a good fit or isn't a good working partner. There are a lot of reasons that you might want to fire a potential client. So I want to talk about this today because I thought that at this point in my career, eight years in a full-time freelance writing, I would have figured out how to spot the red flags and catch this before it gets too involved or too frustrating. And unfortunately, that's not true because I recently had experience where scope creep definitely was an issue. And I actually called you, Emma, to to say, what do I do? How do I handle this? And so that's how I want to start this conversation is how do you manage these moments when you feel like, oh, maybe I should fire this client. Maybe this is really just getting out of hand with scope creep. They're asking for more than I promised. And this is not a good fit as far as the budget we agreed upon. How do you handle it? What do you do? Yeah. I mean, it's changed a lot since I first started freelancing. Like when I first started, I would just like fire a client if things got difficult. Like it sounds maybe harsh, but I was just kind of like, if this person can't work together in an amicable way, like I want to walk away. And over the years, I've learned that being that conflict, I found it as a way to like be conflict diverse. Like I was like, I can't work through this conflict. It's so uncomfortable. So I'm just going to walk away. And I would often like refund their money or whatever it was. Like it wasn't like I was trying to be a jerk, but I would just walk away. And now many years into it, like I usually, if not always try and salvage the relationship. But I think talking about like, well, what does it mean to salvage the relationship? A lot of that is like calling a meeting with that client and resetting the expectations or And the most recent case for me, I emailed the client like a set of expectations that I had. And that was because that client, like it was less scope creep and more like boundary violation in the sense that they were like ringing my phone off the hook, sending me text messages, asking me like to complete things and turn around them within an hour, which is just like not how I work. Yeah, right. It's like, it's just not how this kind of work is done he was really treating me almost like an in-house employee, like not in a good way, like really micromanage, like a really micromanaging manager. And so I just had to lay out expectations. I was like, if we're going to work together, this is what I need from you. And I was super clear. And then as the relationship went on, I would just cite those things. Like I would be like, 
Remember, I told you I won't respond to an email within 48 hours. That's why it took 48 hours for me to respond to the email to you. Or like he would say, can you jump on a call right now? And I would be like, as I told you, if you want to have a call, you have to use my meeting scheduling link. So I think now it's interesting that because I had that experience of, of boundary violation with that client, I now send an email once the contract has been signed with a new client, which is like, it has like what I expect from you and what you can expect from me. And it basically has the exact email that I sent to him, but I send it to everyone now so that at the beginning, they know what those expectations are. And if we need to, like, if I need to cite them, like they know it, right. It's not something that I'm assuming they know. It's something that, that I'm sharing with them from the beginning. So obviously it's like good to have systems in place that sort of prevent scope creep, but it still happens. Yeah. And I think like what I'm interested in, in this conversation is like, there's two parts of it. It's kind of like, should you fire a client? How do you know that you should fire them? And then if you decide not to fire them, like, what do you do? Right. So I'm curious for you, like, are there any clients that you've fired? It's been a really long time since I fired a client. And I feel like my line of thinking around this is like, firing a client is the last thing I want to do because I'm so worried about burning bridges and how, especially because I work with a lot of people in the same industry and niche, I like don't want to get a reputation for being difficult to work with or anything like that. And maybe that's like a a female specific problem where you just feel like you have to be a people pleaser and you have to kind of walk on eggshells and keep everybody happy. I don't think that that's a super healthy way to approach a service-led business. And I think what happens for me is like, I just personally associate so much with my work that if somebody comes back and asks for more or says, I'm disappointed in this work or this wasn't good enough or this isn't what we were looking for, I instantly feel bad and like, oh, I, I need to overcompensate now and overdeliver and really make up for this seeming failing on my end because I don't want this to be a representation of my work. I always want to do the best I possibly can. And the danger of that is that you get taken advantage of, right? You do that one time and it's a slippery slope where the client is in like, oh, well, you did this last time. Like you went above and beyond for us last time. Why can't you do it this time? So you do it once. And it's like, if you give a mouse a cookie almost. (laughs) So it's tricky. And I feel like the other thing too is I have this problem of thinking, you know, I've done more for less. And I feel like that is like the death of a freelancer's career to have that mentality. But it's sort of hardwired into me. And so I'm working really hard to try to overcome that. And I think failing pretty hard sometimes. What do you, can you talk about that a little bit more? Like, what do you mean? Like doing, I've done more for less. Like I have done much more work or I've done a much bigger project or I've done, I've invested a lot more time into a project for a lot less money. And so I have this sort of backward glance at like, okay, well, they're paying me a lot more now. So I should do even better work because they deserve it. When in reality, the situation might be they're not being a good client or they don't know what they want or they're asking me for something that's way beyond what we agreed to. And it's, it's really a perspective thing. Yeah, I see. So you're like, they're paying me a lot for this work in order to justify the rate that I'm charging. Like, I better be good. I mean, some of that is really healthy, right? Like you, like people are paying a premium for our services and like they deserve to get what they asked for. And I think that's always the tricky thing is like, 
when does someone's expectations just need to be reset a little bit? And when are they like an impossible person? Because I've seen this happen with freelancers a lot where they have a client who's giving them lots of work. I've seen this happen over and over. Like they have a super big client. They're giving them tons of work. They maybe make up like a ton of their revenue and they're awful to work with. And like, they don't want to fire them because they would depend on their income, but then it just becomes like a super toxic relationship. Right. And I think in those instances where like, maybe they've tried to put down boundaries and it, it hasn't worked. Um, maybe they, they've tried to have conversations about what they need. It hasn't worked in those situations. Like it really can be best to say goodbye, even with sort of the loss of revenue, knowing that like there will be room for more. Like when you fire a client or a client fires you, not necessarily because of anything bad you did, but because like things changed or they moved on or something, that is an opportunity for something new in your business, right? Like I found that every time I've lost a contract or something has changed, like my main point of contact left at a company and we had such a great working relationship and then they left and a new person brought in their own agency and I was like devastated over it. It's like that time that they left, like gave me time for new stuff, either a new client or thinking about doing a podcast. So like, I think you don't want to be holding on to like a client like that out of fear. I think we're talking about it as like, what do you do about a nightmare client? But like, what if the client is just like, not really that good of a fit anymore. Right. And maybe, maybe that's where we can go next of like, how do you say goodbye to a client? Like I know for listeners who don't know, Kaylee and I first worked together when I hired Kaylee, I think I was maybe, I worked in-house at a tech company, but I think maybe I was one of Kaylee's first clients. And Kaylee worked for us for many years. And at some point, even after I left, I know you decided to say goodbye. So maybe you can talk through a little bit about what that meant to you. Because I know at the time you sort of wavered on whether it was time and and all of that. Yeah. I think that there's a lot of fear behind those decisions to break ties with clients that maybe aren't a good fit for you or haven't evolved with you along the way. Or So like in the instance of the tech company that you used to work for, the work was great and I loved doing it, but I was steadily increasing my rates and they kind of had a budget that they were working with. And it just, it no longer made sense for me to continue to do that type of work because I knew that they had a team of writers where they could pay the rates that they wanted to pay and the quality of work was great. It was good. It was just that it was time for me to move on. And so I think part of it is like realizing it's okay to let let go of those, even if it is consistent work. As long as you don't burn the bridge, I think it's okay to move on and say, okay, well, I am going to raise my rates. And again, you're like, you're making more room in your schedule to do that. But I think also what's interesting in, in prompting this conversation is when I started my business, I had two retainer clients who I was on year-long contracts with for just kind of like social media management type work. It was something I was doing just kind of on the side when I was still at my full-time job. And then it was the foundation of job security for me when I left and started freelancing full-time. But I did that for many years. And I really had a hard time letting go of those retainer contracts because it was so reliable and it was just this security blanket almost. And so I feel like I really had my hooks in to those two clients. And even though they would ask for more and more work and it would really over time, it really evolved into kind of an employee, in-house employee type of role, just doing it remotely. I was like, oh, I can't, I can't let go of this because I need this recurring revenue for my business. It's like the baseline of everything that I do. And so I did that for like 
four or five years, just kept on with these clients. And it was great to have the money every month. But as time went on, I was just like, oh my God, this is not what I want to do anymore. And this is like so evolved to the point of like, legally, this is not okay anymore. (laughs) And so when I finally did let go, again, there was that fear driving the decision to like stay with it and keep going. I was like, oh my God, I have so much more time and so much less stress in my life. And now I have the freedom and availability in my schedule to charge more and work with clients that are better aligned with what I'm trying to do moving forward. So yeah, I think if you can get over that hurdle of, oh shit, this is scary. Like I don't want to lose this money. If you can take that leap and fill your schedule with something else that's, that is a better fit, that is a really healthy and wise decision to make for your business. Yeah, absolutely. I think everything you said there was like spot on about saying goodbye to those kind of long-term relationships and making room for new things in your business. And I think like, yeah, there's sort of two different ways to fire someone. Sometimes it's like firing is too strong a word. It's more like saying goodbye to a client that is no longer a fit. And then I think we use the word firing when we're more like, I hate you. I have to, like, I have to stop (laughs) pain. Like it's more of a, more of a desperate thing. Or like, I think there are moments where things get really hairy. Like we feel really on edge or somebody does something like they call us in the middle of the night or they interrupt something you're doing with a, with a fire. And you're like, oh my God, I got to get rid of this guy. And I think my advice on that is like, don't make a permanent decision based on a temporary feeling. So like, I don't know when you called me and you're like, Hey, Emma, I'm dealing with scope creep. I don't know what I should do about this client. Maybe I should just fire them. It's kind of like, okay, well, like, take a few hours, right? Even it's like, ideally you can sleep on it, but if you don't have the time to sleep on it, it's like, you don't want to send one of those emails in a fit of passion. That's kind of like, you need to follow my boundaries and blah, 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 blah. You really want to be much more measured and think through Like, what do I actually want to say? What do I want to get out of this? There's two strategies that I use that I would recommend to like every freelancer when they encounter one of these situations. One is talk it out with somebody. So you and I do this with each other all the time. I've talked it out with our friend Ashley Cummings as well and many other freelancers. Like just talk it out. Be like, what would you do about this client? How would you handle this? And it's often, if it's really hairy, talk to multiple people because they might have different perspectives. And that can be helpful. And then the other thing that I do is I usually have someone, usually my husband, because I trust him, but sometimes another freelancer too, to proofread that email that I sent them to be like, am I coming across as a jerk? Because like sometimes it's like, I'm upset. And so I can't write that email without being like that, that tinge of upsetness comes across. So saying like, sending it to someone. I mean, and it doesn't even have to be like another freelancer. Like sometimes I, I have like a group chat with some of my best friends from the gym and sometimes I'll send something to them and I'm like, does this read okay to you? Do I, am I coming across as like a jerk here? So I think those two bits of like talking it out and making sure that your communication represents you in the best way possible is really important because I just think that like sometimes the situations get like, they can be rife with conflict and it's our job as a professional to diffuse the conflict and find a way forward as opposed to amplify that conflict and stress. And I mean, it sounds like your personality is more like, you're like, I want to make things harmonious at all costs, even if it's a cost (laughs) to my mental health and my time. And my thing is more like, 
I have this desire for self-preservation where I maybe have a tendency to get a little hot about it. And I have to step back and be like, no, this person deserves the good work that they paid for. And I can't expect them to know exactly what I want. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. And I'm going to make sure I'm not like too hot through this interaction. And I'm also going to make sure that I don't fire them rashly. Like I'm not going to just walk away from it because it got hard. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think that's even been like a theme in my life. Like I remember even when I met my husband, like going to therapy and being like, this is hard. Maybe I should break up with him. Um, <laughs> not like when we, when we really first met and my therapist being like, you know, if you run at the first sign of like any conflict, like you're never going to have a long-term relationship, right? Like you're never going to get the things you want in your life. You're never going to have a long-term. My husband and I have been together 10 years now and I, yeah, like, I want him in my life forever. Right. And it's like, that's obviously different from a client relationship, but it's like, if you run at the first sign of any conflict, then you can't grow. You can't learn. You can't develop like a really rich relationship with somebody. And I will say is that when I've worked through these difficult situations with a client, usually we come out better on the other side. Like we have better communication. Well, I shouldn't say always like either I guess what I, what really needs to happen is like, I need to give it the old college try. Like I need to really do everything that I can to try and salvage it. And if it can't be salvaged, okay, then it's time to fire them and walk away, right? But I need to feel like I've given it everything that I could, I think. Yeah. And I think what you said about having kind of an outlet to vent to so you can then go back and respond rationally rather than emotionally is really, really important because it's so easy to just have that like, knee-jerk reaction where you want to fire off an email really quick and be like, hey, fuck you, buddy. But you can't do that. Like, that's not going to work. That's not going to be good for your business long term. Like, you're going to be the person who said, fuck you, buddy, in an email. And like, nobody wants to work with that person. So venting and having that outlet is really important. The other thing, though, too, is that I think it's important to know where to draw the line when it comes to, I've done my best to resolve the situation. I have been extremely professional. I have really tried to, to solve the problems that they've come to me with, and it's still not working. There's still some sort of disconnect. So I'm going to talk a little bit about some of the red flags that'll help you identify those moments where it's like, okay, this is the moment where I need to say, this isn't a good fit. This isn't working. Or maybe I need to refer a different writer with a different, more specialized skill set, whatever it might be. I think for me, in my experience, the things that have triggered those just identification of the fact of like, okay, this is where I draw the line. It's things like when you go back to the client and say, here are two to three possible solutions, which of these make the most sense for you? And they come back and say something like, well, I don't know. You tell me. That is not necessarily them coming to you and deferring to you as the professional. It, in my opinion, is them saying, we don't know what we want. And so we are going to be impossible to please. You can't make things perfect for the person who doesn't know what they want. You can't deliver what they want if they don't know what that thing is. So that for me, I think is a big red flag. What about you? What are the kind of phrases or turns in the the working conversation that you're like, mm, this is not good? Yeah, I think like the classic, like, can you get on a call right now? Mm -hmm. Can you turn this around by tomorrow? We need this by 5 p.m., that kind of thing. Or like, can you just do X, Y, and Z? Or like arguing over minutia. Like if I'm kind of like, okay, that's the one round of revisions. And like, 
I'm happy if I provide one round of revisions to my clients, but if my clients have a few other hanging things here and there, I'm not like, oh my gosh, that didn't follow my one round of revisions. Like, of course I'll do it. It's not a big deal to me. But sometimes if they're like, it goes on and on, and then they want to argue with me about like the points of how many revisions that really was, like, I feel like all that kind of stuff is red flags. I think one of the biggest things is like, I think it's what you were alluding to is sort of realizing once you're into the project that you're maybe not the right person for the job and not because you're not good at what you do, but because they need something different from you. And I think that situation is like really difficult because it's like, do you come clean? (laughs) I think you, you should sort of come clean about saying like, Hey, as I've gotten through this, I realized that like you need to do way more customer research before I can put together a content strategy for you. You can come up with sort of a solution together, but like that's tough stuff. Like I don't have a good answer for it, except that I think those situations are when it's really difficult. I feel like for me, it's easier to deal with someone who's a jerk because I just feel like I know how to handle a jerk. But I what I think is harder to handle is like, well, what if this project just sort of isn't a good fit for either of us? And like all nice people are involved, but maybe like you really needed to hire like a customer research or market research expert, like not a content writer, right? Like that's those, that's more tough. Yeah. I think the other thing too is when they try to disguise additional work as an extension of what you're already doing. So like, well, this is part of it. This is part of what we talked about. This is part of what we need. That can be, it's tough because it's all about perception, right? It's all about what the way the request is packaged. And can you decipher them trying to weasel their way through and, and to expand and push on the walls of the scope that you agreed to in the beginning a little bit? Like you said, I think sometimes if the asks are small, like, hey, can you address a few remaining comments on this draft? Stuff like that is no big deal, but when it's it's a major ask or like a heavy lift that's going to take hours of your time on top of what you already agreed to, that's when it's like, okay, yes, I can do that, but it's going to cost X and here's why. So I think a lot of it has to do with, just like you said, really holding strong to the boundaries that you've set and knowing how to say, yes, I can do that, but it's going to take X amount of time or it's going to cost X amount of additional dollars. And that is not an easy thing to do. It's not easy to go into those and feel like you're in a position to ask for more. I feel like that's just a difficult thing in general. Yeah, I'm with you. I feel like, I feel like it makes me think that some of the advice that we like need to give is about like good onboarding too, because I think if you have good onboarding where you sort of are clear about the amount of revisions, about what you expect, then it's again, easier to manage scope creep because you can sort of go back to what you agreed on. Like you can say like, Hey, this wasn't just something that was open. Like I found that it was more difficult to manage these things when it wasn't clear how many revisions were included or it wasn't clear that I wasn't available via email all the time. And so I think that, yeah, like scope creep is going to happen no matter how good your onboarding is or your boundaries are. But I think that it really helps a lot to sort of define that from the beginning. So you have something to kind of point to when things start to get hairy. We're talking about it now, like it happens with every client, but I have to say that in the past couple of years of business, it's it's maybe happened 
twice. Like it's, I don't know how often are you finding this is happening to you? Oh yeah. Almost never. It always seems to happen with a new client. And most of my working relationships are people that I've worked with for months and years and and we know each other and we kind of have like a steady flow of work going. But every once in a while, you'll take on a new project that maybe is outside your normal service range, or you're trying to spread your wings a little bit, or you're doing something that's adjacent to the service that you do day to day. And it's new territory. So like, it's a whole situation that you have to grapple with and figure out like, how do I manage expectations for this new type of deliverable? And how do I set the appropriate expectations up front for this? Because it is different. And so anytime you do something a little bit different, you have those new challenges and new learning curves, I guess, with those situations. Yeah. And and I'd end with the fact that like, I think that it's something that happens much more often when you're starting out for that reason, that like everything is new. You haven't figured out exactly what you offer. You haven't figured out exactly what works. Like, I feel like this used to happen to me much more often not because of even like the clients being jerks, but more just that like I didn't have a good process for like onboarding them or even assessing them. And now I do. So like it's, I feel like I put up sort of a net and it catches most of the people that that wouldn't be a good fit for my business, right? Or I'm not a good fit for them either. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Freelance Writing Coach Podcast. If you want more tips, tricks, and resources for building your business, visit freelancewritingcoachpodcast.com. Yeah.